Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 2. What an incredible spirit is in this house tonight. I feel, I just feel like there's a great Bible study spirit in this house. Don't you? You that didn't respond, what do you feel? Pastor, I'm tired. Okay. I'll do my best to get in and out of the chute. And we can get home at a decent hour tonight. And you can have something to eat and go to bed. Put on your warm, fuzzy slippers. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 8 and 9. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. All the men said everywhere. That's on the job. That's in your vehicle. That's at Home Depot. I lost just about all of you right there. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. What are holy hands? They are our hands that have been sanctified for God's purpose without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about modesty. All right? Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray. Father, we love you, praise you. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God that is so tangible in this house. So real. So real. Pray that you bless everybody with understanding, comprehension about what this is all about. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, the last time that I did a little bit of teaching on Tuesday night, we talked about biblical separation. How many of you remember that? Approximately five. It is absolutely imperative that we have a biblical understanding of these types of things. Um, the older I get, and I'm not real old, well, I'm not old at all. I'm not young, but I'm not old. Some people think I'm old. I don't think I'm old. Do you think I'm old? Thank you. The more grown up I feel, how's that? Does that make you feel a little better? The more grown up I feel, I'm really, I'm, I'm burdened for lack of a better term. I'm burdened with the reality of responsibility of passing on um, deeper realities of the Word of God to this next generation. I want to tell you, Cornerstone is blessed. Did this young man not preach on Sunday? Hello? Um, it, there's a lot I could say about that. Um, and it was, it was, it was tremendous. But I want to tell you, we've got a lot of really, really good, godly young people in this church. And I want to tell you, I am, I am, as a pastor, I'm proud, I'm excited, I'm happy. I think all the, all the, all the grown-ups ought to give you guys a hand clap of appreciation. 
You're not messing around. You're, you're here tonight. Even if your mom and dad made you come, we're still thankful for you. And all the young people said amen. But really, we have a responsibility to pass on the realities of the Word of God um, beyond the new birth, beyond Acts 2.38, beyond the wonderful and glorious monotheism of, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Christological uh, reality of God manifests in the flesh and his name is Jesus. And, and those are wonderful basic doctrines. But there are, there are some unseen biblical, or um, let me rephrase that. There are some unseen realities that are fully described in the word of God that have to be embraced to really be completely apostolic. Um, we're living in a day and age where intellectualism, knowledge is off the charts. Um, and intellectualism and everybody's smart and oh yeah, 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 I know, I know. Um, everybody thinks they know and says they know, but really there's an incredible revival of ignorance in our world because it is impossible to have genuine knowledge without having God in the mix. Somebody help me out tonight. It is impossible to really understand what's going on. See, the thing about the apostolics is, is that we go further. Our point of reference is unlike any other denomination, any other church group, any other Christ Christocentric group, and I'm not putting anybody down, but ladies and gentlemen, if you don't baptize in Jesus' name, don't try to tell me that, that, that you've got more God. That's impossible. That is a man-made invention. The doctrine of the Trinity is a man-made invention, and so Christendom is filled with all these man-made stumbling blocks that have been placed over the last 2,000 years by people trying to manipulate people, trying to control people. I'm doing my best not to mention any denominations, but you can fill in the blanks. But what I am saying is, as apostolics, is we have a point of reference and a vantage point to where we see things, we know things, we understand things. Is that, is that new baby in church with us tonight? Brother and Sister Chavez, we have a new member of the church. Sister Erica, you're a fighter. God bless you and that baby. And Brother Carlos, say amen. Wow. Hallelujah. I think everybody, every married, married couple in this church ought to have more children regardless of age. And everybody said amen. I expected that answer. Okay. You have to understand that being apostolic has realities in the word of God that have to be, they have to be there. Um, you can experience, you can experience the new birth and there's a very short period of time that you can enjoy um, not having a lot of rooting and grounding, but I don't believe that you should go too long without getting the ability to connect the dots in the Word of God. If you, if you just think that this is just another deal, you are going to play, you are going to play marbles with diamonds and you're going to lose what you got. So it's our role, it's our role to help you understand that what you have is from another world. This is just the threshold into an unseen world that you and I are a part of. All oh, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. We are connected to a much bigger picture. It's vast. It's deep. It's wide. It's glorious. It's glorious. There are some attributes. There are some attributes that have to be in place for us to fully embrace 
and understand really what we're a part of. I talked about being separated. Separation is the oldest doctrine in the Bible. It is the most constant doctrine in the Bible. We find it in Genesis. We find it in Revelation. It is impossible, listen to me, it is impossible for God to be known without separation. Somebody would say, well, God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Yes, he is sovereign. But God has limited himself that he has to work with at least one human being. Abram, Joseph, Jacob. Somebody said, well, God can just go ahead and do whatever he wants to do. God has limited himself. I'm repeating myself on purpose. God has limited himself in his plan that he has to have the cooperation of humanity. The reason why the nation of Israel was a failed experiment is because they failed to be spiritually separated unto God. God could get them out of Egypt but he could not get idolatry out of their lives and then it became part of their heritage. God never intended for them to go into Babylonian captivity, but he took them into Babylonian captivity because of idolatry. He brought absolute, utter destruction because of idolatry. So they were separated. Here they are in the promised land. So physically, they're on location. But spiritually, they're not where they're supposed to be. It was the will of God that the nation of Israel would have been a, a medium, a fount, a, a place in which by God loving and blessing his people, the rest of the pagan world would have known that there is a living God. you got to get this. This is the overarching plan of the Old Testament. Well, I thought the plan of the Old Testament was, you know, it was Abram. and then the, I, Yes, yes, yes. They're all players in this. But there is a master plan why Abraham fits here and Joseph fits here and Moses fits here and Isaiah fits here. You have to comprehend and connect the dots that God was trying to get his people to be distinct from all other people separated from all other people, not so they could be made fun of, not so that they could be weird, not so that uh, they would feel insecure in being different from other people because God said, you're going to be a peculiar people unto me. It's all about me. It's about God. This is God's plan. This is God's program. God's trying to reveal himself to the human race. And when he can find one person that says, I'm going to be on God's side, then God moves. Clap your hand and give God the praise. That's all he needs is one person. That's what he started with. So the nation of Israel utterly failed, utterly. The cherry on the prophetical cake was when they rejected their own Savior. But the rejecting of their Savior meant that we had an opportunity for salvation. So what the, what the nation of Israel was unwilling to do, God is saying, I wonder. I wonder if there's some people that had no history, no genealogy into Judaism, no inheritance in the promised land, I wonder if I could bring somebody out of sin and they will be separated unto me. So in this context, the church of the living God is to fulfill what Israel could not do or would not do. This is reality, ladies and gentlemen. You and I have been called for the absolute greatest purpose this world has ever seen. Who, me? Pastor, you don't even know, man. 
I'm just, just, I'm just getting up and going to work, and I come to this church, and I love everybody, but I'm just, I don't know about all that stuff. You cannot escape this. You will not escape. You cannot claim ignorance. You have to comprehend that I have a purpose. And that purpose is to be separated unto God, have some other supernatural attributes, and now let God use me to make himself known throughout the world. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. Because God believes in you. Now, you can say, no, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm more religiously minded. I'm only going this far. And you will miss the perfect will of God for your life. And I don't want you to do that. You don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. And so, one of the attributes, once an individual is separated, there has to be attributes that reveals the uniqueness of that separation. One of those is modesty. And everybody get real excited. Look at your neighbor and say, modesty. Say it like you're excited, not exasperated. Modesty. All right, pastor, what's the big idea? Modesty is an expression and manifestation. Modesty is an expression and manifestation of the working of the Holy Ghost in an individual's life. Don't tell me how much you know God and you still got the Marlboro man in your top pocket. Because you're defiling the temple that God wants to use to move through so that a world that doesn't know him can see him. What's happening in this day and age, because it's not, maybe historically it was presented a little rough. You know, previous generations of Pentecost were a lot more authoritative. And there is a difference between exercising spiritual authority and just plain being mean. And I don't think being mean has any place in the kingdom. Ding. And someone's got a, you got a punch bowl under that pew, Brother Mike? Somebody's got a, oh. What is that, water? Oh, good. That was almost choreographed, trying to break up this service. Got some joy juice in that stuff. But modesty is a reality. And it is, it is something that is born of the Holy Ghost and it's described in the Word of God. And so I, my perception is that modesty is a privilege. Now, if you're the type of person that says, I just got to fit in with everybody because you've not yet been delivered from affirmation. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You know, there's a lot of people that come in and go, a pastor doing whirly birds. You know, I don't do that for show. I'm really feeling that. But you know, people come in here and they start getting goosebumps. Man, I like it. Somebody of the same gender gives them a big hug. Totally appropriate. Says we love you. We're glad you're here. Appreciate you being here. Now, man, feels good around here. I think. I'll take a Bible study. And then they take their Bible study. And, okay, I've got to obey the word of God. There it is. I've never seen this before. They get, they, they get the Bible study. They obey the word of God. And now there's spiritual responsibilities with being a newborn babe in Christ. And part of that is, is that we agree the documentation. 
I know how to operate that microwave. Where's that 220 outlet? I don't, I don't need to read the manual. You better read the manual or the power is not going to operate like it's supposed to. And you'll not see the type of results that the manual says you'll get. But there's some people that come in from, the, from this culture, from our society, that are insecure. Okay? I was a 30-year-old man walking around with bleach white hair. That was... To people that have insight, that was a walking, talking, breathing bunch of issues right there. You know, the guy sitting across the restaurant with more piercings than a tackle box and tattoos everywhere, and you happen to look at him, and he said, what are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at you. You did all that so somebody would take notice of you. You're trying to stick out of a world where everybody in your mind, the devil has convinced you that you're not special and unique, so you're trying to be special and unique according to the devil's program by altering your body and altering your God-given da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and now you're going to have some form of uniqueness. Isn't it interesting that everybody's tattooed now and everybody's got piercings? Why don't you just go ahead and be apostolic? That is the ultimate uniqueness. That is the ultimate. Oh, I know it won't fly in Hollywood. But see, we're not of that spirit. We're not of that system. We're supernatural. Don't, when you, when you run into somebody that tells you how supernatural they are and they don't have modesty, you have to understand that character is more important than giftedness. God is more interested in you developing spiritual character than you developing and exercising your spiritual gift. Because if you just operate on your spiritual gift and you don't have character, you're going to crash and burn in, in no time. But once you develop love, and temperance, and brotherly kindness, and joy, and righteousness, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, This is awesome. This is awesome to be apostolic. Biblically apostolic. But I've seen it time and time again where people come in that have not yet been delivered from affirmation. It had mold. It's very, this, some, of this, some of this stuff you get into, it's very deep, deep, deep-seated programming in how they view themselves. They don't even view themselves. They view, they view themselves in how you view them. So it's a constant pursuit of affirmation. How do I look? How do I sound? Am I okay? And as long as I am, it's an echo that comes back to me and it's okay, then I feel good about myself. But if somebody is upset with me, even if it's for no reason, that can mess up my apple cart. But God will deliver you from that man-made, demonically driven spirit to where you're no longer driven by the spirit of, and the God of this world, but now you are motivated by the God <laughs> of another world, the God that dwells in you. And now you can go ahead and just be whatever God wants you to be. And you live wild for the devil, so now I'm going to give everything to God. That is why this is a challenge to this world. Because they will be set apart. But God cannot be revealed through a vessel that is not set apart. We have tied his hands. God will, God will find another channel. God will find somebody else. God will find somebody else in the congregation. God will find somebody else on the pew. God will find somebody else 
But there's 8 billion people in this world that need to see a move of God. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a metroplex of probably getting very close to 800,000 people between North Idaho and, and Eastern Washington, the Spokane area. Vast, vast multitudes have never even heard the message of Jesus' name. They've never one time ever had anybody pray for them. They've never, ever, ever, ever felt the presence of the Holy Ghost. Cornerstone, this is why I'm so passionate about us having liberation in our worship and in our prayer. Why? Because that creates an environment in which the visitor that you brought that would rather be in a movie theater watching some stupid movie with some person that, that could care less that they even live or die. But that same person all of a sudden begins to feel something. They begin to sense something. And then all of a sudden they feel the wooing of the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden a love affair. And God is beginning to woo. Come on, somebody, help me out. This uh, you got to have... An apostolic church has got to be far enough from organization that they are free enough to be what God wants them to be on location. I can't be what anybody else wants me to be. I've got to be what God wants me to be. He's the one that died for me. He's the one that purchased me. He's the one that loves me. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. He chose us. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing reality that you and I have been chosen. And our response to that, when that becomes a revelation to us, and what I mean by a revelation, I'm not saying that a voice has to speak to you. I'm saying that that becomes a reality to you, to where now you're shifting your life from the affirmation and the human-driven way in which you were raised, and you are now incrementally, it doesn't happen all at once, but by degrees, you're now line upon line, here a little, there a little, and now you're a God-designed devil chaser. So once, once people are separated physically and spiritually, there are attributes that have to be in place in that separation in order for God to be made known. Modesty is revealed and expressed through our behavior, our speech, and our dress. Additionally, Modesty influences all of our relationships. It could be said that a spirit-led person is a modest person. This is because what is on the inside of a person is determining and articulating the thoughts, the words, the mannerisms, the activities, the countenance, the appearances, and the looks. I love this stuff. I love this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the scripture that we read uh, as our text tonight, it clearly reveals that modesty is expressed through dress, behavior, and good works. Listen, if, you're, if you still have a horrible, ugly spirit on the job, don't tell people you come to Cornerstone. You're not sure how to react, but you know what you know that that's right. If you're laughing at dirty jokes, don't tell people that you're an usher at Cornerstone. Now, you ushers, I'm not accusing you. You're you're some of you guys I think could walk right through walls with Jesus. You're so good. But if your character is on the job, that's why the Bible talks about being of a good report to them that are without. 
We're trying to win people. You don't just come to this church and, man, I just love to watch people run in circles. I don't, I don't even know why I'm, I'm there, but I just love to watch people run. Well, you get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to take a lap. And you're going to say, man, where have I been? That felt pretty good. I think I'll take another one. I'm getting so old, I mean, grown up, I need some runners. Somebody like Brother Tim Kilroy that I can say, you know what, I feel like running, but I'm hurting. Would you take a lap for me? Everybody's freezing up over here. This whole service is locking up. Not really. I love this. that he wanted me to be a part of this. I'll never get over it. I'll never come to terms with it, how that God wanted me. God wanted you. He saw the way you were raised. He saw the horrible treatment. He saw the abuse. But he said, oh, if I could ever get my arms around that person, what a difference I could make. Come on, somebody. I, I, I saw the horrible way that you, I feel this thing all over me right now. Come on, let's just worship. Let's worship Jesus. You're the apple of his eye. Royal priesthood. This is unlike any other, any other experience in this world. If you've ever, ever, ever got the Holy Ghost to the level where you start recognizing these truths, you will, you will absolutely, you will become absolutely a different person. And so we're not supposed to fit in. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. I'm not worried about and what everybody else wants to be, I'm concerned about being what God wants me to be. If I, can, if I can meet the requirements of being what God wants me to be, there will be a class of people that genuinely will love me, and those are the ones that I really want to be with. They're trying to please God like I am. Hallelujah. So let's talk a little bit more about modesty tonight. Okay. The, the spiritual fruit of temperance, which is self-control. Pastor, I'm sorry. I had to hit that guy. I had no control. Or pastor, I had to, I used a cuss word. I go right down my list here. The spiritual fruit of temperance is closely tied to modesty our human will, preferences, and choices must become disciplined by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The evidence of this is preferring God's will for us individually. Modesty reveals both change and a present testimony to God's working in our lives. What that simply means is I'm not everything I want to be, but I'm nowhere near what I used to be. Let's lift our hands and let's just give God the praise for that. Just keep moving. All right, let's talk about speech. It's a big deal what comes out of a person's mouth. What comes out of our mouths is eternally important. Did you know that you're going to have to give an account for every word that proceeds out of your mouth? Did you know that you're even going to have to give an account of what was in your heart that you didn't say, but you just thought it? Everything matters. Every action, every word, every thought, every meditation, every act. Aren't you glad for the blood? <laughs> I get to listen. I... 
we're we're gonna we're gonna put this in like a plow. We're gonna we're gonna till this field up. I love this stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not up here as the personification of Pentecostal perfection. I'm gonna tell you that that's what the blood's for. But I am not gonna go backwards. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna throw in the towel. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back to Pharaoh. Initially, speaking in tongues is a manifestation of the Spirit's control over our tongues. Somebody said, oh, you know, speaking in tongues is one of the gifts. That is the very first indication that they have just told you that they don't know their Bibles. Yes, it is a spiritual gift, but it's not described until 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 which means there is chapters in the book of Acts where when they received the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues. It is the fulfillment of John chapter 3, verse number 8. The wind blows where it wishes. The word wind there comes from the Greek word pneuma. Same exact word for breath and spirit. The spirit moves where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. Because where it's coming and going, no man knows. So is everyone that is born. Everybody said born, which means when you're born of the Spirit, you will make a sound. Just like a baby comes out of the womb, first thing that baby does, you can be way down the hallway getting another cup of coffee, and all of a sudden, whoo! Another life has been born into the physical dimension. When somebody speaks another tongue, another one is called on the name of Jesus in the Spirit of God and called him Abba, Father. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. We're not in some little midnight doctrine here. This is from the foundations of the world. When I start hearing people whine and bellyache about being modest or being separated, that is an indicator that their life does not match their consecration. If your lifestyle is not governed by your level of consecration, you will constantly be chafing at this. And what it really is is your flesh. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. It's amazing how many people will perk up if you ever say, Yes, sir. Oh, you must be from down south. No, I'm from Oakland. Just treating people nice, holding the door open for somebody. Not not giving somebody a finger in Christian road rage. Oh, I felt something right there. Do you know how many times I've had to repent, not for making any gestures. Let's, Let's fix that real quick. I haven't done that in over 30 years. But I've had an attitude problem once or twice over some ding-dong behind a wheel. Be the best employee you can possibly be on the job. Why? God's got you as a witness there. Be the absolute best neighbor that you can be in your neighborhood. Don't let your grass grow up higher than the fruit of the tree of life. Get your lawnmower out. Wait till next year or next summer, of course. All that stuff, all that stuff is just being a good witness, being a good example. 
Be friendly. Smile once in a while. Pastor, I've got horrible teeth. I understand. I do too. But a smile, a smile goes a long way in a world of bleak depression where the only, the only moment of, of, of self-induced bliss is, is, is some, some one-night stand or drugs or some compulsive behavior or, or come on, somebody, I'm telling you, the devil is trying to program people. But a smile, a handshake, let me get that for you. Hi, how you doing today? What kind of, you doing okay today? No, but thank you for asking. Can I pray for you? These are just, these are just little characteristics of people that are zealous for good works. And I'm going to go over and say hi to that person. I saw that he just got told off by the boss and he's going to get written up. And man, I'm going to go over and befriend that guy. I'm going to, I'm going to invite that guy out to church on Sunday. He's talking about his marriage is on the rocks and he's talking about going out and getting drunk this weekend. I, I think I'm going to invite him over to the house and after church, we'll have them over for a big meal. These are people that are zealous after good works. It's a real thing. Hallelujah. Okay, we talked about speech. Let's go to the next one, behavior. I've already been alluding to that, but let's look at a couple scriptures. Our character is revealed by our actions. Do not cut anybody off on the freeway if you have a cornerstone bumper sticker. You will be excommunicated. Just kidding, but kind of. The evidence of God within us is the developing of godly character and a careful and constant awareness of our actions. Man, there's been more times than I can count. We just especially in these building programs, you're busy, you're under a schedule, da-da-da-da, there's tension. We're Christians wherever we are, and we're representing the kingdom of God. We're representing the supernatural. Ephesians chapter 4 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is why a lot of Christian counseling, when, when you're having Christian counseling, if it's real biblical counseling, it's not going to talk about the attributes of what you're experiencing in your old nature. It's going to be talking about the benefits and you being the beneficiary of what's in you because you have a new nature. This is the big problem. I've got, I've got a whole deal on this. This is the problem with a lot of counseling in Christian circles. Is they want to help you work through the issues that are totally under the blood. You may still be facing those issues, but the more that we line up incrementally to what God sees us to be, the more those old things are replaced, come on somebody, by the characteristics and attributes and the power. I know this stuff because I do this stuff. I've experienced this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. It's got to be a revelation of Scripture. This next verse reveals that appearances can become misunderstood or misinterpreted. Everybody listen up to this. We should always consider how things could be construed. Okay? This avoids any questionable scenarios or activities that could place our reputation or our witness in question. Romans 14, 16. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Now, there's a lot of directions I could go on this right now. But if 
when you get to the place of genuinely, you have a daily prayer life and you're spirit led. The spirit of God that's in us will give you warning signals. This is how incredible this is to be a recipient of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, you have not that any man should teach you, for you have an unction. You shouldn't wait for the pastor to get up and say, all right, fornication's wrong. You, that, that spirit that's in you should already say, no, don't look at that. Don't go there. Don't get on that computer right now. You already know where that's going to go. And for once you make up your mind, I'm done with that. I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. You just shut the mouth of hell. <laughs> Satan wants one choice to now become a behavior. And ultimately that behavior begin to shape and mold your reputation and become a destiny. Well, Pastor, we were, we were sitting in the car just talking. Oh, you and Brother Joe? Um, no, me and Sister. Wrong. I'm thinking about getting that buzzer that was on The Price is Right. That's wrong. Well, we were just sitting in the car and, you know, Oh, let me get this right. The lights are off. It's quiet. It's in a dark spot. The lights are off. Were you guys discussing the, the latest lesson that pastor taught? Yeah. That's wrong. You get caught doing that? You have one check by your reputation. You repent, the check is removed, Peter. But you better be very careful that that doesn't become really your character. We're okay with mistakes. As, as your pastor, I just don't want to see it become your character. Reputation matters. Your reputation matters. Especially if you're a single person and you have great aspirations. You can't afford to be sneaking off to the movies. What did your mom say when you came in last night? I know you're not supposed to be texting, but you're under the covers. Texting, it's quiet right here. You dudes are mortified. You're not even moving, not even breathing. Shut your cell phone off when your mom and dad tell you to shut it off. God will honor that behavior. Man, this is weak tonight. Maybe there's some parents that are texting. Three o'clock in the morning to people you ought not be texting to. Now, when I text at three o'clock in the morning, I text, I texted a preacher at three o'clock in the morning. He responded at eight o'clock. But I've all I know about myself that if I don't do it when I think about it, because there's there's a whole bunch of information swirling around up there. I got to do it when I think about it. It's part of me growing up. You ought not be on the cell phone. If your mom and dad put a curfew on that cell phone, you're best shutting it off. In fact, not every young person should even have a cell phone. Oh, man, this guy... This guy's a control freak. No, I'm just trying to keep from people committing fornication and going to hell and falling into the clutches of the devil and destroying families and destroying and messing up their life. If I can change the mind of somebody by getting up here and preaching in the power of the Spirit of God, then so be it.
You mom and dads, if you ever catch your kids sneaking, every once in a while, <laughs> I catch a sneaky saint. I wish you could hear my shoes. They're creaking with that leather sound right now. That makes me feel so bad for somebody that I actually held a higher opinion of when I catch them in some stupid little deal. Well, Pastor, that's just the way I am. That's your character. Next is your reputation. Next is your destiny. Nobody can straighten you out. This reputation thing, let not your good be evil spoken of. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. When you're on the job, don't be hanging out with guys that are always talking against the boss and putting down the, man, I can't believe we're, and then all of a sudden you got that attitude and you're chiming in. That's not how an apostolic, if, if, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're not allowed to have those kind of feelings if it's true, but separate yourself and say, you know, I know it's not perfect, but I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a grumbler. I don't want to be a complainer. I'm not going to be a gossip. If I can't say anything nice, I'm not going to say anything at all. You just lost your witness with those people. Best thing you can do is say, listen, I apologize. I should have never been a part of that because I, I got a greater destiny than that. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's lift our hands and just say, Jesus, help us tonight. We're talking about modesty. is a characteristic that has to be in place for God to be made known I remember my kids used to play this little game till I figured it out. It didn't take me very long. I'm not the brightest light bulb in the closet, but, you know, they didn't get the answer they wanted from me, so they go to mom. You parents know what I'm talking about out there? Hello? Well, pastor didn't. Pastor told me something I didn't want to hear. So you go talking to a bunch of saints now, trying to create a little pity party and some division. No, 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 no. You know the Bible says there must be heresies among you, so that they are guilt that are guilty are made known. Isn't that a great scripture? That scripture's not in the Bible. The Bible said there must be heresies among you so that they that are approved. The heresies is not so you can say, that one's got a problem. That one's got a problem. That one's got an issue. That one's got a problem. It's so the ones that say, we don't want to hear that. Those are the ones that are manifested. Every once in a while, God's going to let things, you get somebody that's disgruntled, woke up on the wrong side of the hammock. They didn't, they didn't like something the pastor did or the pastor said or another saint, a leader in the church, delegated authority. And now we're going to go talk about him. A mature saint will say, talk to the hand. I know what I'm talking about right now. There, there's some people, this was a brand new, this was a brand new chapter for you. Don't let anybody mess that up for you. Because we're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. We're all going somewhere. I'll never forget this as long as I live. Several years ago, actually it was many years ago, the Holy Ghost moved on me. I've never said this since. 
But I got up in a church service when we were on Broadway, and I said, there are some people under the sound of my voice. This is your last chance. This church is your last chance. Just go talk to the pastor. This is this was my deal. If somebody came to me and had some gripe with the pastor, I'd say, hey, go talk to the pastor. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be infected. Amen. See, because what's going to happen is with your love for your brother and your sister, now you got the same disease they got. Bitterness is the most contagious disease in the church. Many be defiled. Fornication has taken its hundreds, but bitterness its thousands. Pastor, I just want to tell you about Brother So-and-so over here. Go talk to him. That's my standard answer. What they want is they want to use the pastor as a billy club to go get somebody. And my deal is, you go talk to him. The Bible says, go to your brother. When are we going to get, when are we going to become Christians and actually go to the people that offended us instead of going and building up a firing squad? And now we, we try to get a mass of people on our side. And God says, that is not what I told you to do. Just go to your brother. Hey, I've had, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Did you know that next year is our 30 year anniversary? 30 years. Yeah. We're going to have a big time. We're going to swing from the chandeliers. We're going to eat till it comes out of our nostrils. We're already doing that. We'll just keep doing it. We're going to have preaching and singing, and, and we're going to celebrate in Jesus' name. Clear up your little deals by yourself. That, that reveals spiritual maturity. Immaturity runs to everybody and says, oh, you know. And what you've done is God's not going to hold people guiltless for that because you, you, you know, sabotaging other people's peace. Can somebody squeak out a little praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Man, I love this stuff. Let's talk about dress. The church of the living God is God's human medium in the earth. Observing modesty allows for the greatest expression of God's spirit through us. I want to say that again. I want to say that real slow. Observing modesty allows for the greatest expression of God's spirit through us. But see, that's only one component. Now we got to have our spirits right. This is done by implementing biblical principles in our clothing and dress. God's people are not required to be drab and lacking style. I'm going to say that again. The clothing that is governed by modesty is not for the display of flesh, but it is not required to be drab or lacking style. If, we, if our church was full of people that, that wore socks that didn't match, we would not have revival. This is a true story. I actually had a pair of socks on that were two different colors. I put them on in the dark. It's okay to be stylish, not outlandish. Anything that draws undue attention to the individual has just ceased to be modest. Wild hair. Pastor, it's almost 8.30. Yeah, we got another hour. Wild hair. Now, there's nobody here with this stuff, so I can just be 
If there was somebody here, I might think twice because I don't want to embarrass anybody, you know. Well, bless God, they need to hear it. Well, I know, but I'm trying to be godly. Why hurt people if you don't need to? Well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I can do that kind of stuff. Well, I know, but people need to know. You know I love you, right? About 20 of you. Let's wrap this up so you can go home and have a ham sandwich and go to bed. It's okay to have style, just not anything that's outlandish. In fact, I think you ought to wear your very best. This is why I've been wearing a suit for over 30 years. Dude, I never wore a suit in my life. And I only had one suit. I bought it at J.C. Penney. Jacques Penney. French Clodier. Jacques Penney had one suit. I had one dress shirt. It had a permanent black ring around the collar from just, you could literally, you could literally wring out water every single, after every service. Had one pair of socks, one pair of shoes. Then I got another suit. I think somebody in the church gave me a suit. And I got, then I just got blessed. I didn't get a decent car for many years. Now, some of you young men are over there thinking, man, when I get this car, I'm going to draw friends like a magnet. Listen, just... Just be proud with what you got. Not, not pride, but this is a representation of where I am. And I'm working. I got a job. I paid for this thing. Hold your head up. Square your shoulders. I rebuke this spirit of competition. It's nonsense. God's going to bless you for being you. But be the real you. And my wife was one of the most eligible single She's giving me hand signals, but that ain't going to stop me. I don't know if those are gang signs. What are you doing over there? <laughs> She's trying to flash the passenger some signs. No, she used to wear this big hat and drive around in a BMW 328i and in the Western District, get up and sing like a bird, and all the guys would just go, wow. I had a Dotson honeybee that should be in the Smithsonian Institute up there with the spirit of St. Louis because the dude had 400,000 miles on it. I'm telling you the truth. Somebody gave me that car. An ex-drugged-out wacko that got saved gave me that car. Or the Jerry Ayers gave me that car. And I'll never forget, uh, I worked out of that car. I'd strap a 24-foot ladder on, on the side of it, I pulled the back seat out of it, put my spray rig in there, put my drop cloths, and I worked out of that car. I was a painter. And I asked my wife to the Christmas banquet. There are some real characters in that church that said, yeah, this guy's about ready to get shot down like a... She said, yes. Now, hold on. Hold on. She said, we'll take my car. I said, no, we're taking my car. What are you trying to say, Pastor? You're a child of God. Square your shoulders. You don't have nothing to be ashamed of. If you're living for God, 
Come on, somebody. If you're really living for God, you ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. And there was a dear friend of mine. He went on to be with the Lord. That when we pulled up to that big five-star hotel where the Christmas banquet was, I pulled up in that Dawson hunt. It took me two days to fumigate it. I put the back seat back in it. I shampooed the... Uh, I, I did everything I could do to make it presentable. Didn't have any hubcaps. Um, when I pulled that up, Mike English was standing outside, and he doubled over with laughter that I got out of that car, and I went around the other side, and I let that beautiful woman out, and I was as proud. I said, in your face, devil. I may not be everything I'm going to be, but thank God I ain't even close to what I used to be. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody go ahead and give him praise right now. You ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. Your blessing's on its way. Just keep living. Stay separated. Be modest. Be holy. Love the things of God. Do this with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. And God will elevate you in due season. Oh, one more time. Clap your hands. Let's give him the praise. All right, let's pray. God, I love you. I praise you. I love these people. I love what you're doing in this church, in this city, in this region. I just pray you'll open up the windows of heaven and be with each person in a special way, a glorious way. And take us to the next level, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, God bless you. Go get your ham sandwich and go to bed.